and welcome to a new episode of our podcast, Explicitly Spoiled. Today, we thought we'd talk a bit about different tips and tricks for beginners that want to try yoga or are just starting um, that could help you advance in your practice, but then also set, let's say, the right expectations that mm -hmm. um, will help you enjoy it a bit more, maybe, at the end of the day. So with that in mind, what I wanted to start with and sort of talk a bit about in terms of setting the expectations for, you know, going to a, a yoga class or trying a different class or going for the first time, I would say actually going without any expectations. Um, and that's because if, you know, if it's something new, it's going to be something probably challenging, right? Every time we try something new, there's going to be a challenge there. There's going to be a nervousness. It's just human nature. So I would drop any other expectations. I think that's enough for, you know, in terms of, let's say, um, feelings there for a first practice. Be open and willing to try something new. Of course, that goes, I guess, without saying for anything new that you're you're thinking of trying. But just putting that out there that if you've never done yoga before, it's going to be different, most likely. It is different, right? It is different to other activities. Expect a challenge, as I already said. Um, it is something new. It's, it, it's going to be outside of your comfort zone to a certain degree. So it's going to be a challenge anyway. But I think from, from that perspective, if you set your mind like that, it can be easier to overcome the challenge. Mm -hmm. um, another thing I'd say here that I think it's kind of common sense for everything in life, but just in terms of going to a yoga studio and practicing is respecting yourself and others, right? So basically with that, that means you go into that studio, right? And your aim is to be... Um, mindful of everyone around you right you're not the only one practicing so as long as you respect yourself and respect the others around you you'll do just fine right and ultimately do your best try and do your best right give it your best there and that's enough and everything else it's a byproduct of this that's all i think it takes to go and try you know a yoga practice or a new yoga style um new studio, new teacher, whatever it is, right? I think this kind of carries out throughout the, the journey, really. I think you should always respect yourself and others and do your best, things like that. But especially as you go in, you know, for the first time, I think it's really important that you, you have these things in the back of your mind, let's say. Outside of these more, let's say, practical tips and tricks that I would have for you would be always wear comfortable lightwear clothing, I would say. So, of course, this goes kind of without saying, but you want to be as comfortable as possible, right? Outside of the things that you, you can't control, make sure that the things you can are giving you that comfort. The other thing in terms of mat, um, so the mat you're going to practice on, um, it would be, you know, really good to look for a mat with a strong grip. So you don't want to slip around the floor there. Um, and also depending on potentially 
um, any sort of issues you might have with your knees, for instance, you might want to look for a thicker mat. So that then protects your knees a bit uh, when you're doing yoga. Um, and related to different issues and potential pains or sensitivities, one important thing that I would say be really, really mindful of is in terms of um, listening to your body and not pushing past a level of uncomfort or actual pain uh, on the mat, right? So if you're a beginner, you just, maybe you're just starting any sort of activity or you're just starting yoga. Again, it's different to other practices or to other exercise activities, things like that. Uh, it's very important that um, you don't let the, let's say, nervousness of the first practice or trying to keep up with everything or things like that um, make you push past maybe pain because that is almost a guarantee that uh, you might end up with an injury uh, or something more serious that will probably make you not want to go again. And I think that just doesn't help you actually reaping the benefits of yoga, right? And it's just, it's kind of, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure almost from the beginning. So yeah, try as much as possible to listen to your body. You're going to be uncomfortable, but there's a limit there, right? Between being uncomfortable and you can handle it and being uncomfortable and you, you're at the point that you're never going to do that again. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's just be sensible and mindful and don't, don't be afraid, you know, to stop as I said, and don't, um, you know, think that you might offend someone or whatever it is, right? You have to, you have to be selfish in that regard and take care of yourself first, right? So, um, yeah, those would be maybe, let's say, like my main tips for uh, a <clears throat> beginner with, with yoga. I don't know, Monica, what are your tips? Yeah, I have some of my own as well, reflecting mostly my uh, pers uh, my perspective as a teacher, so they're uh, maybe different. But there's something that I wanted to add on your point about the the comfortable clothing. Um, if you guys remember from the last episode, we uh, highlighted the type of uh, alignment focus that Iyengar Yoga has as a style of yoga, and I smiled when Alexandra was talking about uh, comfy clothing because Iyengar Yoga prefers practitioners to be, um, to have, to wear clothes that are very close to the line of your body, to, to, your, uh, to your body shape. So no loose, um, no loose clothing or um, sweaters that fall on your head uh, and leave your belly uh, empty when you're in downward facing dog uh, and no white uh, harem pants. Um, it's because they really want to see your muscles moving um, and being strong and um, checking the alignment. And they even insist on practitioners having shorts rather than uh, long pants, especially for uh, long yoga pants, you know, especially, especially for men in the case of men. So, yeah, just a fun, yeah. no fun fact I wanted to say, but it's not that fun after all, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. Of course, it depends on the practice. So yeah, Iyengar, yeah. it's it's a bit different. So in order yeah. to check your alignment, they they need to be able to see your your um, alignment, right? But mm -hmm. one other thing that I would say in um, 
just in terms of loose clothing. I mean, you want to be comfortable, but you don't want the clothing to be that loose that you're going to fall flat on your face, right? So there is a common sense there, I would say. Of course. Um, you know, as it is with any other activity, right? You you, you dress appropriately. You don't go running in, um, I don't know, super baggy clothes. Yeah, of course, it's good to follow common sense. Like, for instance, you wouldn't wear a hoodie, right? Because if you're in downward-facing dog, and if you do a lot of downward-facing dogs in, in during that class, the hoodie will fall on your head or so on and so on and so forth. Um, similarly, when you do ashtanga, when you practice ashtanga yoga, you have to be almost naked and actually men practice uh, topless and with shorts because you sweat terribly uh, because of the breath that heats up your body and so on and so forth. And yeah, they're almost naked. It was also invented uh, somewhere in the southern part of India. So uh, they're not very, they don't wear very thick clothes uh, there. Yeah, so I had some uh, of my own tips and tricks for uh, mostly for beginners, but uh, but not only. Um, one of my pet peeves when I look around the class, uh, I always uh, I uh, I always see somebody somebody drinking water, you know. And generally, it's not a problem. Like for instance, if you are during a hot yoga class, you must have some water, right? But then my advice would be to don't drink it with big gulps, but rather small sips, uh, rather often than just one once and a huge uh, gulp of water. Um, generally, I see people retorting to drinking water when things get tough. When this pose feels, feels difficult, I feel like I can no longer hold it. I really want to get out of this. My chais and triceps are really hurting in warrior two. Just let me get the hell out of here. Oh yeah, let me have some water. So it's used somehow like a prop, some sort of props for, um, for lying your attention upon when you want to get out of the pose. So that's what I have noticed uh, throughout the years. It's of course uh, really great to hydrate yourself. Um, at the same time, it's good to understand that you will not die if you don't drink water at that very at that very moment. Um, and if you drink it when the class ends, for sure you will not die of uh, of dehydration or starvation. That's an interesting perspective. So I agree. Uh, but realizing your perspective as a teacher, right, that people would use drinking water as a prop. I never thought of that. My experience as a non-teacher, just practitioner, is have a bottle of water with you and if you need to drink drink um with that with that in mind if that's the reason you're drinking then yeah maybe try and think about it i know that sounds you know like think about drinking water but you know at the end of the day it might be a prop right i never thought of of, of drinking water to just distract yourself though yeah um just remove yourself from the pain or from the challenge of this of, of that moment and uh and go a bit sideways you know somewhere else uh that's something i i notice but yeah by all means uh, do drink water if you feel like it um and to add to this point it's the same with food right that's why we hear everywhere hey don't eat one hour or one and a half hours or two hours before uh, before practice it's the same thing with water if your belly is full with either water or food, your body is trying to digest it, right? And what does the body do? It gathers up all of its energy and it directs it towards the stomach so that we can process and digest food and water and take care of the things that happen there. This logically means that you will have less energy for practice. 
and um, you don't want to have a big belly full of food that's trying to be digested in the way of your practice. So that's why they say uh, go easy on the water, go easy on the food, or if you're really starving, eat something small like an energy bar or or, uh, or whatever. Um, once yeah, during because, the hut, yeah, yeah, because exactly. And but I think this is like common sense for any sport activity, right? You don't go with a full belly to run, right? Of and um, yeah, to your point, maybe have a snack, depending on how you usually have your meals and snacks, right? So much for for the food and drink. Uh, definitely don't chew gum. I've seen people do that and not be mindful about it and remove it from their mouths before practice. Um, it's distracting. It has nothing to do with yoga. It's not very polite or respectful, um, I think, also. It kind of messes I, I, up with your breathing. Yeah, I'd argue it's a hazard as well. Like, you could choke yeah. on it, potentially. I don't know. Oh, like, oh yeah. How, how, many, how many sports do you do chewing gum? I don't know. Yeah. I, I would chime Anything, you. Can really. You, can you run? Can you swim chewing gum? I mean, yeah, I think I would like to see that, I guess. If you can swim and chew gum, that's, that's an achievement. So... Yeah, I, I totally get that. And I think it goes back to the point I was making with respect yourself and others. If you respect yourself and others and the others part here, you're not going to chew gum, I guess, loudly in the practice anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to add on the to-do list uh, or the don't-do list is uh, no checking of the phone or of your smartwatch if you really have an urgent call that you absolutely must take. We need to go outside of the classroom and come back uh, if the phone call hasn't been, you know, too long and, and retake the practice uh, where we find it. But uh, obviously the phone is must absolutely be kept on silent and with vibrations off. Um, if you put it next to your mat, it has to be face down because it's really distracting, right? It will light up if you have notifications or calls and you will see the light and your eyes will go towards that direction. Your attention will drift from the practice and to the phone. So it kind of messes with you. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really distracting. So we must preferably leave it in the locker room, right? If, if it's the case. Yeah. And, and also just, um, again, it goes back to respecting yourself and others and the practice, but also something I haven't necessarily mentioned um, in terms of tips and tricks um, is around focusing on, on yourself and on your practice, if that makes sense. So um, with that, a phone will be a distraction for you to focus on the practice just by the nature of it, right? And... Mm -hmm. um, also, what I would say, just linking into this whole phone, you know, if you really have an important call, of course, go and take it. But I would say just, again, be mindful, respectful of the practice and the people around you. So try and, you know, disturb as little as possible that practice. So if you're going to get up from your mat and go and take the phone call, just be mindful that there are other people that are still, um, you know, um, going through the flow. So, um, and that goes for, for everything, right? So if you have a phone call or if you just need to get up to, I don't know, go use the toilet, if you need it, whatever it is, right. Or you're just, you're, you're done, right. You're, let's say you're, you're at the point of pain maybe, and you, you can't continue. So you, you know, you're going to have to drop the practice. So be mindful yeah. of how you leave the, the, the studio. Um, another thing I add is 
common sense. You know, if you're if if you get in pain, I don't know, 50 minutes in the practice, let's say, and you know it's going to be an hour, an hour practice, maybe you spend the next 10 minutes on the mat, right? So you don't disturb others living if you can afford to do that. If not, of course, again, listen to your body. If you're like, you know, it's it's a it's a, an actual issue, of course, live um, live then. One of the worst possible moments uh, where you could leave your mat to take a phone call or leave is probably at the very end of the class during Shavasana time, um, which is, you know, for non-practitioners, uh, we can explain a little bit. Uh, it's a five or 10 minute or a longer uh, break. It's the finishing uh, posture of yoga. It's where you do a little bit of a meditation or you relax. Um, it's either by yourself or by following the teacher's uh, guidelines. So it's you're you know, half asleep and you hear uh, a ringtone, it's eh, probably not so very nice. So that's why um, we should all really try to mind the phone and the leaving <laughs> and preferably avoid them. Um, if we are to elaborate on the clothing uh, point that we made earlier, myself and Alex, uh, thinking about uh, socks, just don't wear them. <laughs> Could say, unless you, as as uh, uh, as one might argue, if if you have really cold feet, then you know such is life, and, and you have to take care of yourself. Um, the reasons are multiple. Our the soles of our feet need to really connect with the earth, the ground, the mat, uh, the hardwood floors, or whatever the surface where we practice yoga is. Um, I think we have really disconnected from nature and connecting with it. Okay, this is not to say that when we're, you know, on, in, inside in a yoga studio, um, we're not outside in nature. But still, it's really good for our body to actually spread the toes, feel the floor, and not have anything between our toes and feet and soles of our feet and the surface practice. Um, so it's good for grounding, right? Then it's good for keeping balance. The thinner and more stable um, surface uh, you, you have there under your feet, the better your balance poses will be. The straighter your body will be in Tadasana or Samastiti and other poses where you have to sit straight, right? Um, in other poses, you might have to grab your toes or do something with them, spread them, look at them and whatever. And there's nothing to look at if you have socks. There's nothing to grab if you have socks, right? Um, so, yeah, those are some of the reasons. Yoga, it's best done um, barefoot. But then I've noticed plenty of uh, socks with grip. I don't know if you use them or if you have them, uh, Alex, or with toes, right? Do you use such? No. No, I, I, I know of them. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah. And I agree with what you said. I think, you know, it's it's that connection. Plus, in yoga, you have the four parts equal standing, right? So you have to feel that four parts on your feet and the four corners. And I think it's it's um, it's a better way or an easier way to feel it when you're barefoot. But then again, if you have cold feet or you're cold or stuff like that, then, you know, wear socks. Just make sure you wear some socks that are non-slippery. So you, you know um prevent that part of 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 uh, falling down i was just 
replacing someone and they are one of the managers of the of that club that i used to teach at at that point and the class had started for one or two minutes already and this uh, very young girl came to me running and said hey please 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 don't kick me out please don't kick me out are you kind enough to not kick me out and i'm like what do you mean why would i kick you out it's not it's just one minute late it's fine we're barely getting started and she said no 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 but i have a special condition and i need to wear socks and i know that the former teacher kicked me out once and i'm just trying seeing that he's not teaching and it's a new different person teaching maybe you will allow it of course i'll allow it it's fine just wear the goddamn socks i will not kick you out obviously but uh yeah it's good not to wear them if you can help it that's what yeah. i was trying to highlight but it's interesting that you're mentioning that because I would say, you know, any teacher worth their salt would never do that. I, I just, what are you doing? He was just very strict, I think. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's, there's strictness in the practice for sure. But I think there's strictness and there's, you know, just being a human being. I don't know. You know, yeah. if some, yeah. I just don't, don't see this like being, it's one thing if you go to a practice and, you just don't do anything, sit on your mat, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say without any reason versus, wow, I need to wear socks. That's like, yeah, it's fine. Go for it. Yeah. I'm actually wondering, is there any solid reason for which you would want a person to leave? I'm just thinking probably how, how exactly. bad can it be? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I would imagine you want as many people to try it. You want as many people to uh, get the benefits, right? Uh, you want to give the opportunity to as many people in different circumstances to be able to to practice it. And also, I, you know, my take on yoga in general is that yoga really teaches you to be kinder, to be, you know, that person that really uh, treats others with kindness and respect and tolerance. Yeah, exactly. The, the yoga community, I'd say it's awesome. And as a as a beginner, I would say really lean on the community because it's yeah pretty great. I found it. And this just feels a bit off. You know, I sometimes, uh, shockingly, I notice people uh, talking and socializing <laughs> during yoga, especially you come with a friend, that's a first time, or, or you bring your husband or your boyfriend to try yoga and, and whatnot. And uh, I always try to draw their attention and say, hey guys, let's socialize afterwards together, but now let's focus on the practice. So again, respect, right? It's respecting for your own practice and for the practice of others. And so it's looking at them, um, you know, and letting your eyes wander aimlessly across the room. Um, generally people tend to do that, especially beginners, because they have, some of us really need to see in order to learn or to understand, right? We are very visual. Others, for others, it's enough to hear things. You don't need to um, have an image that you can follow or imitate. So yeah, it also depends on the yoga style. Um, some yoga styles have the same sequence all over and over again. So you really don't need to look for any sort of inspiration or look at the teacher even. But I'm enumerating several things that can be very distracting and disturbing for your practice. But your yoga practice is a very intimate, very personal thing. So that's why we have to kind of focus inward and not let ourselves be distracted by our uh, co-participants, um, our phone. Here we go. Uh, yeah. And yeah. wondering, let, let, letting our attention drift at things that are not uh, in the present moment. Yeah. So don't I think, do that. Um, 
Yeah, I think it also, to your point, depends on the practice and the way the practice is taught. So if you go to a practice where the teacher demonstrates, which I actually would say that would be a good idea if you're a beginner, um, then you, you know, you look at the teacher and see what they're doing, try and replicate that, right? I, you know, I agree you, you want to focus on your practice and you want to respect others. And in order to focus, you can't just wander around, but at the same time, it probably will help you if you see the, the person next to you, you know, and what they're doing is going to be like, oh, okay. Okay. I get uh -huh. it, right? Exactly. So yeah, I think it really depends. Yeah. On the practice, the teacher, the style, uh, where you are as well, if you're a true, real, real beginner, right. Um, even if the teacher demonstrates, sometimes it's like, you need to keep up. So you kind of want to see what's going on a bit more. Um, as long as I think, as long as your main focus is your practice and being focused on what's happening, that's all you can aim for, I think. And then have a sneak peek if you need to, <laughs> to your neighbor. Right. Um, but what I would say with that, don't compare yourself to your neighbor. It might be that your neighbor has been doing yoga for five years and it's your first time. So you won't be able potentially to do the same thing. And that's absolutely fine. That's not your goal there. Your goal is to just follow the flow, right? And do your best, as I said, and your best, it's yeah. going to be your best, regardless of whatever is happening around you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Comparison is the thief of joy. And it's really off-putting if you practice next to a ballerina or a professional athlete or a, I don't know, a, a yoga teacher or a whatever. Um, because it downplays your own practice and even thoughts such as, I'm never going to be able to do that, might come across your mind, you know. And, and it might be true, but as I said, your yoga practice is your own, which is why... Um, you can also modify the poses. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. And what I would say, the only person you want to compare yourself to is yourself, right? So compare yourself to yourself from last two weeks, a month ago, and try and improve that. And also remember that everyone was a beginner at everything at some point in their lives, right? So that's just, I would say, a privilege at the end of the day, being a beginner at something, giving yourself the opportunity to try something new and being open and willing to take on the challenge and improve on that and one day not be a beginner anymore and try something else that you're a beginner at. Yeah, the beginner's mind is actually a state that each of us should have because if you have been practicing yoga for 20 years and you go to a class that you don't normally take with a new teacher, then you might fall in the strap of the uh, expert uh trap where you do everything before it's cued to you right or if you're a yoga teacher and you go and follow a colleague's class or if you simply go and take a practice while you're traveling or whatever uh what are you going to do are you going to show off or rather follow the instructions so of course it's all about having the beginner's mind um apart from the fact that we shouldn't compare ourselves uh to the other participants in a class we also shouldn't compare ourselves to um, to us necessarily in the sense that, yeah, we see growth and, and evolution, but last night we might have drunk a little bit too much. We might have slept a little bit too little. So our practice, we might be quite stiff, you know, so today's practice, even if it's our own, might look very different than yesterday's practice or the week before. So the circumstance, well, yoga just says, do whatever you can with the body that you have now so which is a relief we do what we can it's really good 
no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Show yourself the grace, right. And, and realize that there's going to be different situations, uh, where it's going to impact, obviously, uh, it's going to impact you or your practice. If you, to your point, if you don't sleep enough, if you don't take care of yourself, um, and that happens to everyone, right. We can't all be like always regimented in all of these things. Um, I think we should all try, but yeah, just, just give yourself that, uh, space that, yeah, maybe one day one practice is going to be crap and it's fine. It's crap yeah. because you just didn't sleep enough or whatever it is. And also I would say on this, be mindful on the fact that maybe you feel so, um, crap that day that, you know, you, you give up the practice if that makes sense. So don't push yourself. Don't be afraid to just skip that practice or whatever it is, if you're not feeling up to it, but be I'd say be true to yourself. Are you really not up to it or is just that an excuse? But yeah. Consequently, uh, we shouldn't push through it. I would say uh, yoga fortunately just uh, advises to work within the limits that the body has at that point and not overcome, not surpass those limits, not go beyond them. Um, and there's also the, this principle in yoga uh, that says that Constant practice is uh, what evolves you. So your practice will evolve if you do it regularly or constantly. Um, obviously, inherently, you will also advance and work your muscles a little more and work your core a little more. Um, if it's just physical practice or uh, you will be able to keep your focus for longer if you do meditation, for instance. But... Um, what you do today now with the body that you have is enough an accumulation of longer of, of consistent practices will will evolve you in terms of quality of practice as well so it's not uh, it's not a problem um another thing that i wanted to add is the fact that yoga is discipline and we must not forget that so we must um, ideally comprehend understand that we should be abandoning ourselves to this practice and to the guidelines that we are given. I mean, of course, if we um, have a body uh, ache or pain somewhere, something that's super painful and is not able to maintain, to, to, to sustain a specific pose, then we don't do it, right? Or we do a variation if we know, or we ask the teacher for a variation once again. But um, generally teachers instruct, guide, cue um, things that might be a bit odd. Uh, at first, even it, especially if you're a beginner, and you, you keep wondering, why do I need to do all of this? Is they is uh, are they really going to make me do this and that and the other? What's the point? What's the purpose of this? So rather than asking yourselves all of these questions and analyzing, over analyzing and overthinking whatever you are being uh, taught, rather just rather than that, just, just follow along and abandon yourself to the practice and you will be fine. Generally, teachers uh, give all of these um, oddish, uh, outlandish uh, cues because they want you to be safe and because there's a meaning behind them that they don't have enough time to explain at that very moment or during a 50-minute yoga class. So just do it. And if you're curious about it, just ask at the end of the class. Yeah, what I would also say is that, you know, we're all different. There's different teachers out there, different styles of teaching. And especially if you're a beginner, but even if you're not, right, some things might not resonate with you. And that's fine. Don't, you know, knock the teacher. Um, just 
take what you know what serves you and leave what doesn't right so sometimes you might be in a practice and they, you know tell you some, something that you completely don't relate to that's fine right mm -hmm. we're different as well as individuals right so something that doesn't resonate with you might resonate with someone else so i would say yeah don't don't knock the teacher don't knock the practice there are also uh apart from the from the many things that can can sound a bit odd uh if, if you're, you're a beginner um generally it's a code of respect that can that needs to be shown to teachers in the sense that you don't um, direct the feet towards them so generally um, most teachers that are very traditional um if there are if bang bands are starting uh inversions uh, or shavasana they will direct you to turn your back towards them and your head towards them rather and, and the feet in the opposite direction from them this is also a matter of respect so if you ever hear that don't now you know why um also because of the uh, energy flows we work with energy uh, with bodily energy and with prana right uh in yoga and um, there are ways to uh, put a stop to the energy flow and uh, to capture it and focus it in a, in, in a specific point. There are multiple ways to do that. So that's why, for instance, we don't usually uh, sit with crossed, uh, crossed hands uh, in yoga postures. And you will hear all sorts of uh, odd things like that, and they will make you wonder. But if you're curious about them, as I said, um, just go and ask the teacher or look them up online, whichever is easier for you. But what I'm trying to highlight as well is um, it's not all a bunch of crap. If you hear things that are not familiar to you or that feel very odd, it's not crap. It's just things that you are not aware of yet. So that's a good thing to know and yeah, uh, find I, out later. Yeah, I uh, I have to say I've never had a teacher with that part with the feet. I've never heard it in all the classes that I went to. It might also be do you think it might also have to do some, uh, have something to do with the yoga style because i don't necessarily do ashtanga too much um i do mostly vinyasa which is mentioned in the last episodes so we go and check that out for all the details but yeah so it might be that i don't know because i practice let's say vinyasa with different teachers and um different styles let's say of, of vinyasa and i never heard that it's a matter of a uh, very traditional Hatha Yoga and Hatha Yoga is the one uh, from where all other styles have derived the very basis of it. So it, it depends if you have uh, been taught by a very traditional teacher um, or somebody who follows specific lineages in India, um, they will touch upon that. But generally, yeah, there will be, they, you won't encounter this into very uh, Western, uh, Occidental, modern or modernized or hybridized styles of yoga. So if you come across such, such a thing, uh, know that it is, it's not odd. It's just uh, something that has a meaning. It's just not enough time to discuss about it. Um, I think I have something to, to add on the, on the list of um, things that I would advise people to do. It's really good if you have time and interest and curiosity to research a little bit the style of yoga or the type of yoga class that you will attend or ask your friends about it or even the teacher or even ask at the studio when you're trying to sign up for a class. If you are looking for a very chill and, and calm practice, you wouldn't do a vinyasa or ashtanga. Um, if you are uh, in the mood for a very dynamic practice that's very athletic, then 
you'd better not end up in a in a class that is a yin yoga class or yoga nidra class or so if you do a little bit of research before um you will have a more enjoyable experience i would say because you will end up in a class that really nurtures you and your interests right not not the the other way around uh, end up doing something that doesn't serve you so yeah if you're a beginner it helps to to ask questions about it yeah i think uh, absolutely do your research a bit especially if you've never came across yoga or that style in particular that you're going to just to have a bit of uh, not be completely oblivious to what's happening but then yeah to your point uh, also just making sure that you're up for it right or you're at least interested but with that i would say don't be afraid to experiment right with different styles classes uh, studios right uh, in person versus online versus different teachers right um, sometimes for instance you don't relate to the teacher at all for whatever reason, right? You just don't. That doesn't mean necessarily knocking down the whole practice, maybe just try another teacher, right? I guess it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, just just have that uh, open mind and willingness to try things and get a new perspective. Yeah, exactly. Um, luckily, there's there are plenty of yoga styles out there and uh, plenty of teacher personalities that are very different, right? Uh, as I think we've also mentioned in our uh, last episode, in our previous episode so there's something for everyone if you've just been to one class and it didn't serve you and it didn't feel right in your body or you, you had zero chemistry with the teacher that's perfectly fine you just need to try another style another class with a different person and for sure you you might find something that suits you that's all there is to it really you need to experiment and also know yourself a bit of course as we said in our last episode if you're someone that you know is super energetic and things like that it's probably going to be challenging to do a style of yoga that is very rigorous and maybe very slow and there mm -hmm. are those out there and the opposite is true as well and yeah don't be afraid even with that to just to just try different things as as in life i'd say probably <laughs> absolutely um of course, it's always good to, to have uh, somebody to ask if you're an absolute beginner, um, which is why we urge you to comment on this uh, on this episode and hit us up, you know, with all the questions you might have. Um, for sure, there's plenty of things in yoga to be curious about, and we will graciously and uh, gladly answer to the best of our abilities. So give it a try. Absolutely, yeah. We, we are... Uh, more than happy to help you as much as possible and always we're we're open to to feedback and comments okay and i think that concludes today's episode <laughs> well that's that's us today um thank you guys for watching for making it this far uh let us know as we said in the comments um what other tips and tricks you might have from your experience if you're already practicing or if you're not, if you found this helpful, or if you have any questions on anything, as Monica just said earlier, absolutely feel free to just uh, comment and we will aim to answer everything we know. Thank you again, guys. And until next time, enjoy life's little joys. Bye. Bye.